turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. You've been maligned and mistreated by those who have claimed to be your friends. How do you respond? That'll be the subject of our time today here on Abounding Grace as we take a look at how Job responds to it all. Join us. You've been accused of things you did not do. In fact, so much so that most around you begin to believe it. How do you respond? Hi there, and welcome to Abounding Grace. Now, that sounds like something we might have pulled out of recent headlines. But the fact is, it's taken right out of the book of Job. Job is being ripped apart by his friends for not understanding God. So how does Job respond? That is the subject of our time today as we learn from this man of God. Join us. With this edition of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. This is a chapter of great emotion. And as we look at it today, let me encourage you to remember that as Job is speaking, he is crying. And this is not a detached soliloquy. It is not intended to be drama. Job is literally pouring out tears. God has broken him. He even identifies the Lord in this chapter and says, You have become my enemy. But on the other hand, as we will see in a minute, Job also pleads to God. Job was willing to have his sins pointed out to him. He was willing to repent, and he was repenting. And yet he receives no answer from his Lord. There is no answer from God. And he asks, where are you, Lord? Job, just like us, when we are suffering, wonder, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you, as he says in verse 13, shooting your arrows at me? Why have you set me up as your target? God is silent here. He appears to have left Job alone in the pit. So what does Job do? He does the only thing any of us can do when all of God's waves and billows seem to rush over us. All the troubles, the diseases, sudden news that seems to be devastating. And that is, we see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we, the beloved of God, his bride, plead to him. And he will not fail us. He will hear us. He will rescue us. He will come to our aid. But in his timing. And in the meantime, we need to wait on him and trust his promises. And and I want you to please remember something about prayer. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, David prays, Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, 
My soul said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. So if we pray at all in those times of trouble, as we should, if we call upon the Lord at all, it is because God has said to our soul, seek my face. God is calling us to pray. God has literally dropped a lifeline out of heaven, and he says, Here is the way forward. Cry to me, pour out your heart before me. And no matter how soggy that lifeline gets with our tears, beloved, it will never break. For God will never let us go. This chapter is easily divided into three sections. In verses 1 through 5, Job basically says, You men are a bunch of miserable comforters. You are experts in misery. In verses 6 through 16, Job asks the question, should I speak or should I not? Then in verses 17 through 22, Job says, Lord, I'm totally overthrown here. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to pour out my heart in tears to you. And these are all, of course, good lessons for us as we shall see. Peter said in his second letter, chapter 1, I have written these things to you before, but I'm going to write to them, them to you again. You know, we oftentimes need reminders of just the basic gospel lessons. We should hear the old truths over and over again because we are weak and we get distracted. Worldly pressures come in and troubles tend to push things away that at one time we held very close to us. Unfortunately, in the case of Job's friends, they just repeat the same old accusations against Job. And that's what Job is saying here in verse 2. I've already heard all of this before. You are a bunch of miserable comforters. Now, some of what they said was good. It was profitable, especially for us today. We have profited from it. We've applied, we, we are applying it to ourselves. But his friends, they don't understand the reason for Job's grief. And then to add insult to injury even though they speak vain words and they are very bold, verse 3, they turn around and accuse Job of being arrogant because he won't accept their opinion of things. So this is a very difficult situation. It is one thing to speak vainly, but it is another thing to demand other people to receive our vanity as an oracle from God which is exactly what Job's friends were doing here. We see it in this world, in the redefining of marriage, the redefining of morality, the redefining of education, the redefining of history, the redefining of money, and it is maddening for us. It is one thing when we see this in the world. It is something else, as Job was feeling, when we hear this from our friends who have been professing their wisdom. This was very discouraging to Job, but he countered what they said to him in verses 4 and 5 with 
what amounts to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Job says, in effect, if you were in my boots, if we were to switch places, I could do to you what you were doing to me, and then how would you feel? If it was your health, your children who were lying dead, if your goods uh, uh, had been taken away from you, I could be doing what you were doing to me. I could accuse you of being deservedly afflicted by God. And how would you feel if I upbraided you, if I crushed you like you've crushed me? But he says in verse 5, I wouldn't do that. I would strengthen you with my mouth. I would do everything I could to encourage you while in your sorrows by reminding you of God's promises. And there is a very, very important lesson for us in these first five verses of chapter 16. You know, it's quite easy to pontificate on the problems that other people have. We all seem to be experts when it comes to other people's problems. But we would find it easier to show compassion if we would do, as Job says here, put ourselves in their shoes. Children, put yourselves in your parents' shoes and try to look at life from their perspective. And parents, put yourselves in your children's shoes. If you are healthy, think, what if I had the disease this person has? How would I respond to that in my life? Or what if one of my children was abruptly taken away from me? Or how would you respond if your spouse was crippled in an accident? Now, do some, doing something like this is more than just a pretty exercise, my friends. In a sense, deeper than we can know now in this life, the sorrows and afflictions of one belongs to each one of us because we are one in Christ the head. That's why Paul wrote in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, Remember those who are in prison as if you are imprisoned with them. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Why is this? Because we are one in Christ our head. The sorrows of one are the sorrows of us all. The joys of one are the joys of us all. But do we feel this way? Do we have a deep bond with our brothers and sisters so that we have this unity of feeling with them? Or are we dismissive of those who are suffering? Do we think to ourselves when someone asks for prayer, oh, they're making too much of that. I went through that just fine a couple of years ago, and I wasn't bugging people for prayer. You know, when we are dismissive, we are really mocking the sufferings of Christ. Because Paul tells us in Colossians 124 that the sufferings of Christ are in a way completed in his body, the church. That's the reason we are afflicted, beloved. That is the reason or one of the reasons that we may taste some of his cross 
and then be comforted with the consolations that we have in Christ. So when one member suffers, that is part of the cross coming to bear on their life, and we are supposed to feel it with them. But much too often, we're just too selfish. Normally, we are unfeeling. Now, of course, it is true that some people go through things that other people in the church could bear more easily. And maybe they even avoid it altogether. But it is only because, listen carefully, it is only because God gives them the grace to do so. But remember something. If you are bearing something or certain things better than others do, it is only because Christ is bearing you. It is not because you're stronger or smarter or more righteous than anyone else. It is because God is bearing you up. And if He is bearing you up, He wants you to take the comfort that He has comforted you with the strength that He has given you, and then to reach out and to share that with others who are hurting within this body. Plus, we need to remember, there is coming a time. There is always coming a time in every believer's life when we will bear something we believe we cannot bear, when it will be our time to suffer in a way which even our strength is going to crumble, our hearts are going to quake. And if we have not been treating the body of Christ with compassion and sympathy and are not reaching out to one another, please remember what God said in Psalm 18, verse 25. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. Then Jesus adds in Matthew 18, Jesus, verses 33 and 35, If you are not merciful, I will not be merciful to you. We need to remember this. Job's application of the golden rule is beautiful here. The Lord asked, do you want me to treat you like this? Would you want me to look down on you like this? Have we done this? When people are going through difficulties, do you say, well, that's not my problem. I don't have their children, thank God. I don't have that crippled body. I don't have their difficulties. I've learned to move past all of that. Really. If we think like that, there are ways that God can just open trap doors underneath it, underneath us, and you have no idea how deeply you can fall, beloved. Because the Lord is in the business of resisting the proud and giving grace to the lowly. So the best thing for each one of us to do is to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us in due time. And remember to show mercy to those who are suffering, injured, troubled, sick, weak, needy. Because when we look at them, we should see ourselves before God. When one member suffers, all of the members suffer with him. When one member rejoices, all rejoices with him. So we should celebrate our difficulties together. And we should celebrate our blessings together because we are one under Christ, our head. 
In verses 6 through 16, Job turns from his friends for just a minute, and he says, quite frankly, I don't know whether to talk or just be quiet. He says, I've heard everything you men have had to offer. But if I speak, my grief doesn't go away. There's no fun for me in talking. But he says, if I'm quiet, that doesn't help me either. When am I eased? It's not helping me at all. It's all tormenting me. And then verse 7, what am I supposed to do? The Lord has made me weary. The company that he has sent to me has made me desolate. Verse 8, the Lord's hand is so heavy on me that I have become an old man in just a couple of weeks. I'm filled with wrinkles. He says, in effect, when I look in the mirror, all I see is a corpse. I haven't eaten. I'm a stench. I've covered with boils. The Lord is tearing me in his wrath. He hates me. He says, the Lord is eating me up. He's just chewing me to bits. He says, my enemy, and he, this is singular here, and some have thought he is referring to Eliphaz, while others believe he's actually referring to the devil. Well, I don't think it's Eliphaz, but it could be. And I don't think it's the devil either, because up to this point, Job hasn't even mentioned the devil. And remember, Job sees all of his troubles coming from the hand of God. God is the one with whom he is dealing. He says, my enemy has sharpened his eyes upon me. He is leering at me. That's how Job is feeling at this moment. He thinks about the Lord, and he's just like, why is the Lord treating me like this? Why has the Lord abandoned me and left me to my own devices? You know, this section is literally hard to read. And... I don't like it. But we must all learn to see something from this. And that is, we must learn to see God's hand is behind all of our problems. Whatever happens to us, we need to learn to confess sincerely, the Lord has done this. That is what Job did. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Now Job knew the devil was wicked and that he hates God's people. Job knew that there, were, that there are wicked people in the world, and he talks about them here too. But Job always also knew what David will say later in Psalm 17, that the wicked are God's sword. The wicked are the rod of God. Every disease is a servant of God. It wouldn't come, beloved, if God had not sent it. So as we live and the arrows are flying all around us, as they were with Job here. It is very difficult not to feel that somehow God has become our enemy. Lord, where is that sweet fellowship that we had before? Oh, I know I'm a sinner, but I've confessed my sins. I've offered sacrifices over and over again. But where are you? I need you but I feel you have become my enemy. We search our hearts as godly men should when God chastens us or when he brings something difficult into our lives. And we know we drink iniquity like water, as we saw last time we were in the book of Luke. We confess our sins. We hope in God's mercy. But what do we do 
if no relief comes. The disease isn't taken away. The pinch of poverty goes on and on. My dead child is not returned to me. I've been without a job for months now. You know, facing the devil is easier for a Christian than facing God. If it looks like he has turned his back on us. Jesus could look at all of his enemies on earth. He could stand boldly before Pilate, boldly before Herod, those who could have cut off his head in an instant. But when he hung on the cross and he bore our hell, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we learn that is the ultimate misery. And that is really what makes hell. Hell. What makes hell hell is not the flames, it's not the brimstone. All those those things are really they, they really exist. But what makes hell hell is that there is no hope in God. No hope. And the Lord Jesus took our pain and anguish for us so that we would never take it. And that is our hope. But Job here is in the midst of his grief. He feels that he's being afflicted by the Lord and that no help is coming. It's not even on the way, even though he is crying to the Lord. What are we supposed to do? Well, let me give you a verse to memorize. Psalm 28, verse 7. Psalm 28, verse 7. There are many verses we could look at, but this is one that has been a particular comfort to me. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. Now notice, the Lord is my strength and my shield. But notice particularly this next phrase. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. David does not say, my heart trusted in him, and he changed all of my circumstances, and everything got better. He says, just in trusting in the Lord, I am helped. See, faith believes in the help. Faith lays hold of the help even before it comes. Because we know God is faithful to his promises, and he will help me. He is my strength and my shield, so I'm going to rejoice ahead of time that he will not leave me or forsake me. So whatever the cause of the trouble, whatever the source of the trouble, when it comes to us, we have one remedy. It is the same remedy our Lord showed us in the garden on the night when he said, This is the hour of the power of darkness. And he flung himself on the ground and he called upon the name of the Lord and he prayed. And since the Lord Jesus walked this path and he conquered it by his death and resurrection and now he is risen and he stands at the head of the path encouraging us to take the same path. Look to Him. Trust in God 
and be helped. God is not our enemy. Sometimes it does seem like he has blocked our way. He's he's somehow hedged us in, given us one affliction after another. You know, we often say things come in threes. But of course, as you know, that's superstition. What we really mean is that God has many arrows in his quiver. And if it's not one, it's two. And if it's not ten, it's twenty. And when the Lord does this, we need to remember we have one remedy. And that is to call out to our Lord. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. (music) 